You're listening to The Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editorial team, and this week we've got Monster Hunter Rise on PC, Star Wars leaks, Kirby release date, E3 cancellation, and much, much more. Let's go! Welcome to the Gamer Podcast, first show of 2022. Very excited to be back here with Jade King. Hello. And George Foster. Hello, hello. And Izzy Vanderveld. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Let's go over the news, y'all. We've got uh, two weeks of news to catch up on. Um, starting with Dying Light 2, the official Twitter account had tweeted that the game will take almost 500 hours to fully complete that stirred the pot got a lot of people uh confused and then they later clarified that well actually 500 hours would be if you literally saw everything there is to see in the game heard every line of dialogue went to every spot on the map all the side quests and everything the actual game will be like 20 hours to complete the campaign and cool. something something like around 100 for the campaign and all the side quests uh which is far more reasonable right yeah that's like average open world game length like nowadays yeah i i guess what's worth talking about here is that they led with the whole 500 hour thing as if that was going to be a big like selling a, like point. a positive <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Immediately, immediately afterwards they then came out and went oh no it's not really it doesn't really take that long and then i wrote a piece relating to this on the website and then i got an email afterwards from techland pr going uh this is wrong actually it doesn't take a full 500 hours to complete but like they're playing damage control on a yeah and it's like okay and you know, like, that. like it's, <laughs> not, it's yeah. not my fault like you were the guys who tweeted it yeah. Well, these goddamn journalists reporting on what we said. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm reporting on the things you said and did. Like, it, is this like sort of an antiquated thing, or or are people still interested in open world single player games that never end? Is I that the mainstream actually are. something yeah. people want? Johnny Gamer is. Look at Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Like that's the most successful game in that series, and it's getting an extra year of content. Uh, and it's the biggest of those games, like ever. Fuck that. But I think a lot of people expected Dying Light to be like similar to the first one, like it's open world, but it's everything seems to have its place. And saying it's five hundred hours long is very much saying a lot of this content is going to be ultimately superfluous. Yeah, that's the thing. So. The f- the first dying light is massive, and it and it got bigger and bigger over the years. I mean, there was an expansion that came out. I don't know, like just barely a year ago. Like they never stopped developing for that game, so it did just keep getting bigger and bigger. And I know that there the community for dying light one is very hobbyist about it. Yeah. Um, you know, earlier I said single player. It's it is a co op game. You can play through the campaign and, and play in just like play in the world with like four other people. It's not an MMO obviously, but um, so the, the people that play dying light, like even though it came out, I don't know how long ago now, 
six 2014, years? I think. Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, they're still logging in every day. Like, they're playing it as if it was, you know, an MMO or something. Why? So do you think for so... the second game, they're considering that? They're considering the long tail of the first one and thinking, we should build a game that can be that again? Yeah, so when they when they tweet, hey, it's going to be 500 hours, they're talking to their fan base. Yeah. They're saying, like, hey, we're going to have a massive game again. I, I, I can kind of get that. To, to be devil's advocate of, like... If I were a massive Dying Light fan, and I like the first one, but like I'm not a massive fan, and I knew that Dying Light 2 was coming and it's probably going to be the last Dying Light game for another six years, to hear it's got lots of content, uh, you know, like you don't have to do all 500 hours, I guess. Like, maybe I sound that, like a well, Johnny Gamer now, but... <laughs> it's the, fl- the flip side of that, right? Is like, no one's going to do the 500 hours. No, I think yeah. it's a bad thing that they they tweeted this initially as it being a positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The I I if I'm going to make a game, I want everyone to see all the shit I made in that game. Yeah. Mm. And this idea of like you know, we we talk about the like wide an inch deep and a mile wide, like they can make 500 hours of content, but if it if it's all repetitive and nobody's going to see it, like what is the point? Yeah, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I think I think it's bad they tweeted it as a positive, but I don't think it's unexpected because I mean, wasn't it not that long ago where um I can't remember the name of it, but there was that indie game on Steam that was like an hour and a half, and all the reviews were, "Oh, this game's amazing! I'd really recommend playing it." Uh, I got a refund though because it's not even two hours. Is it that yeah. big farm one? So it's, maybe I can't remember what it was called, but like. <clears throat> I think, you know, people react to short games as if they've been shortchanged, as if you're yeah. paying 10, 20, 30 quid for like an experience that's only a few hours or less long is somehow a bad thing rather than thinking, yeah, was this a deep enriching experience? They just go, sure. Did well, I, was J- I able to spend a year on it? No, then it's terrible and I've wasted my money. Jade, people complained about Halo Infinite, right? Yeah, because people, I think. Because of the marketing for that game, a lot of people assumed it was going to be open world in a way that a lot of other games are, like Far Cry and stuff. But I don't think it was ever intended to be that because even when you see all the open world stuff in that game, it's not going to take you past 15 hours on normal, which is like, yeah, it's longer than a Kalo campaign, but it's not unreasonable. It's like as long as something like The Last of Us. Mm. Yeah. And like, I I have to remember like, when I was a kid that getting a new game was not easy. I had to like trade stuff in or wait until a birthday or Christmas, like uh, getting a game that lasts 500 hours. I can definitely understand why that's attractive to people. I, it's not attractive to me at all (laughs) as an adult. So maybe it's everybody in their thirties. That's a, that's very fatigued by the idea of 500 hour dying life. If there's something over 20 hours long, I'm like, (laughs) I mean, as people who have to play lots of video games for their job and like be on top of the latest thing and like in the conversation, thinking, oh, great, I'm going to have to put 500 hours into something outside of the eight hours a day I already spend doing this. That is a nightmare. Like, I'm reviewing Elden Ring, and I'm already dreading that experience. Yeah. (laughs) In the nicest way possible. I'm reviewing Dying Light, so... (laughs) 500 hours, Eric, if you don't play fucking 500 hours. (laughs) 
Yeah, after saying the game's 500 hours, they bet, PR better give people like uh, two months ahead of embargo. <laughs> Oh, they'll give you, you know, about four days, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's only two weeks now, so we're really? not playing it oh yet. Oh, soon, two wow. weeks out. Yeah, hopefully you get it soon then. Yeah, That's not even 500 hours in two weeks, is it? I know, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is like, oh, wait, when, wait. whenever yeah. we get estimates from publishers and devs, it's always exaggerated. I feel like... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, every every count I've ever gotten that's like the you know the campaign. If they say the campaign's twenty hours, it's fifteen at the most. Even in press releases or review copies that I've been given, they'll be like, "Oh, it will take you eighteen hours," and then I finish it in ten. And it's like, it seems like yeah, it seems like they, they take always... into account snack breaks. Yeah, <laughs> eight hours snack breaks. yeah, they think I'm gonna stare at the title screen. It's if you play it at that E3 speed, where like you marvel at everything and it's all you really pan the camera, and yeah, <laughs> that, that's the speed you have to play at to hit their times. I mean, yeah. that's gamer speed. That. <laughs> so yeah, good news and bad news for anyone looking forward to Dying Light. It's 500 <laughs> hours, and also it's 500 hours. <laughs> uh, okay, that comes out the the first week of February. Jesus, we'll have we'll have more to say wow. about it. Yeah, in a couple of weeks. Um, Days Gone director Jeff Ross tweeted about Days Gone. <laughs> this okay, <laughs> sorry. J- Jeff Ross makes a lot of drama about Days Gone. He, he does. He left uh, the studio, Ben Studios, after the game did not get greenlit for a sequel. Ben is working on something else now. Um. And ever since then, we'll occasionally like tweet about or make comments about or do interviews about his bad experience. There's just a lot of bad blood between him and Sony in the studio. Now, the latest thing is I think this started because of some like positive stuff about Tsushima, about I don't know about like the movie adaptation or about its sales. So it sold something. eight million copies. I think they yeah. said. Yeah, there there was some something about Sony being like we're very happy with Tsushima. It sold eight million. And then he tweeted, well, Days Gone sold 8 million and management. And I think he's clarified since that he was referring to at Bend, not Sony. But like basically like management always made us feel like the game was a huge disappointment. Yet we sold just as much as Tsushima. So WTF, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, mate. And then after that, it turned out that he was getting that 8 million number from a trophy website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it took into account mates borrowing games, pre uh, pre-owned sales. So it probably wasn't 8 million. Even just, just like, you know, you forgetting your login and like having to start the game yeah. again on a different Or two profiles would... on the same console. That would take yeah. all of that into account. Yeah. yeah. It's really, I will say it's really unfortunate that the director of a AAA PlayStation game doesn't actually have sales figures. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's really depressing. Um, but also, he shouldn't be talking out of his ass if he's basing that off of a trophy website, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's not data. Okay, I don't think that's data. I don't it's think data to be... me. <laughs> um, irregardless. Days Gone, what did did sell better than we would think that it did? Like, as as a matter of fact, D- 
Days Gone was a successful game that just was received. Uh, you know, it, it was a pretty mediocre re- review wise, critically. And that's sort of one of his things is like his resentment towards um, towards the critical reception of the game and how much Sony took takes things like that into account. Right. Um, it it doesn't uh, to them. It's not just how much the game sells. It's what its Metacritic score is. And I can totally see how to a developer that would be pretty frustrating. Mm. yeah I mean, um, the, the thing there's that story of like was it new vegas they right the, the devs of new vegas uh if i think if new vegas got 85 on metacritic they were going to get a bonus and yeah. it was on like 84 or 83 so they didn't yeah they were one straight away yeah right. that kind of thing is stupid luckily that was going to happen with cyberpunk too right and then <laughs> and then cd project red was like no actually we're not because they're you know the too much backlash that's not i I hope that that is not a thing anymore. But yeah, around when when New Vegas came out, and probably in the same era as Days Gone, that shit was normal. Uh, which is absurd. I just obviously that's absurd. I can't imagine dying on the hill that is Days Gone. Like it's just one of the most mediocre. It's not even like a bad game. But there's nothing wow about it's, it, and people can't shut up about it. I, I just don't get it. It's because they keep making drama about it. Yeah, and the, I think the PC launch did help it quite a lot. Like people did find new love for it when it when it came to PC. I mean, I played it. Like it's fun. It's good. And yeah, I, it's I not think, a bad game by any means. Yeah, I think something. I think something that annoys me a lot. as kind of getting a bit off top, off topic. Is the idea that a seven out of ten is bad or like average? Yeah, like, it's a seven out of ten is fine. It's good. It's a good game. It's just not great. Right. Yeah, well, it's because the average is great. True. It's because if a movie is a 70% on Metacritic, it's not the same thing as a game being a 70% because games take eight years and most of them are very bad. Bad games of that scope don't get made because they cost too much. Yeah, That's kind of the reality. The the average game is better than average. That's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like survivorship bias, the, whatever. Shit yeah, exactly. Shit, the the thing with Days Gone is that the people that uh, like that game are uh, questionable to me. Yeah. <laughs> there's, wow. There's something about the theme and the aesthetic. The it's very of, Republican. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, something dog whistly about Days Gone. Deacon St. John voted for Trump. Deacon, Deacon <laughs> St. John 100 million percent voted for he Trump. He called me a slur. And, like, a, and every like... character in that game did. <laughs> and the people that really liked that game did. So, anyway. <laughs> Deacon St. John. Oh, my God. Uh, rip, rip Day's Gone. That's all, pretty much. Uh, former gamer Baldy-in-chief... Uh, Kirk McKean got to interview Jeff Ross last week and it was a pretty frustrating interview to read. Uh, George, I think you, you checked it out, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I mean, we all did Kirk. We all read it. <laughs> yeah, it lo- lovely stuff. Kirk. Great, great job. Boss. I read it too. And there was a lot of like, Oh, I really wanted this, but then people on the team couldn't accommodate it or like, Oh, I had to fight my team about this. And it was yeah. a lot of like, Everybody else was the problem. Trickle down. Shit. 
Yeah, what what do you think, George? Uh, so the I guess the highlights. It was kind of vague, but I think one of the bigger ones that he did focus on talking about for a bit was that it would introduce swimming, um, and that apparently people were really annoyed that there weren't swimming like swimming in the first one. And Your motorbikes can't swim. Yeah, I, I just don't. Even, <laughs> I don't remember that being a problem. Uh, and then there was like a mention that the story would focus more on Deacon and Sarah, which is kind of like saying God of War Ragnarok will focus on Kratos and Atreus, like no shit, you know. Oh, of course <laughs> she fucking lives. Yeah, I knew that was gonna happen. I was gonna <laughs> gone. Uh, of course, spoilers, I guess, if you're really fast about days. <laughs> um, I'm not, George. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> but yeah, uh, those are the two sort of highlights to me. Uh, but again, they were kind of surrounded can by. You, can you hear what you've just said? The highlights of that interview to me were swimming. <laughs> <laughs> in in terms of what it revealed about Days Gone Two, if that were yeah. a thing, you know. Well, I think I think the directors. Like tone in that interview was kind of representative of how he's been on social media, like very exactly. much like yeah. screaming about like, oh, they did me done, did me dirty, yeah. instead <laughs> of like reflecting on the game itself. The other thing that came out of this was that after Days Gone Two got canned, the band pitched a Resistance reboot, an open world Resistance. Oh, that's reboot, interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah. Poor Resistance. Yeah, yeah that, which that was the news article that came out of the interview. Which would indicate, at least at the time, several years ago, that Insomniac was not working on a Resistance reboot. (laughs) They were also asked to do a Siphon Filter reboot. They were like, could you do this? And they were like, no thanks. So I guess that's that's dead in the water, I guess. (laughs) I'm glad that at the very least, AAA devs are interested in the Resistance IP, because... As any Sony fan isn't. of the podcast knows, we do love IP here at the Game Up. Give it to Arcane, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'm really, I'd really love to see another game um, in the Resistance world for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not sure yeah. I want it to be like Days Gone, but unlike Days Gone, the Resistance series truly does not get the respect it deserves. It does mm. not. I wrote about that recently. Yeah, I liked the article. It, it made me come around to the idea of three more. Because to me, it like yeah. one one was a great PS3 launch title. Two, yeah, I didn't like a lot of the changes two made, but like graphics. Two is the weakest, but it's still good. Yeah. And then three mm-hmm. is the one I definitely remember the least. But I need to I need to give three another go. Uh, okay, moving on, we have our um, game of the year award totals. So this is across all media outlets our most winningest game of the year <laughs> games uh in first place yeah. with uh 69 wins nice nice uh it takes two 54 outlets 15 readers choice and the gamer podcast that's not counted that <laughs> it would be 70 so i guess it's good that they didn't count that this time but next year we want to be on in that total <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, is that surprising at all to anyone? Um, I mean, it won this show, so yeah. I guess going off of like it winning the show and the fact it's really, really good, it doesn't surprise me. But I guess I sort of thought this is where you'd see like Ratchet and Clank pop up a bit more. You know? Yeah. So Ratchet and Clank did not win. Only won sixteen. Shit. Yeah, it is the eighth most winningest game of the year. Damn. Yeah. Hmm. 
Uh, number two is Resident Evil Village with 49. Uh, really? Number it's two. It's a good game. Yeah. But... yeah, so it goes, it takes two, then Resident Evil Village, Forza, Deathloop, Metroid Dread, Halo, Returnal, Ratchet and Clank, Psychonauts, and then Guardians. I was just going to say, where the fuck is Psychonauts 2? Psychonauts won 15 Game of the Year awards. Okay. Not bad. Oh, I dig it. I dig it. Not bad, Georgie. Uh, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy won 12. A what? 16 for Ratchet, 19 for Returnal, 23 for Halo, 28 for Dread, 31 for Deathloop, 41 for Forza. Um, the Forgotten City won one. Only one. Only one. The Uh There was quite a few that only won one. Uh, some I've never even heard of. Black Book was somebody's game of the year. Don't know what that is. Blue, ref- <laughs> Blue Reflection. That rings that cool. You know? Death Store only won one. Yeah. Uh, some outlet picked Jurassic World Evolution 2. What's that? Um, Must be Helen's. a strategy. <laughs> That's just Helen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what if they took all of our individual ones and counted them? Uh, <laughs> That'd be cool. Monster Hunter Rise won one. We'll be talking about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, Wilder Myth just won. Artful Escape just won. Uh, pretty big spread. I think there's 35 games represented on the Game of the Year list here wow. of actual like Game of the Year. So. Does that mean they're all legally allowed to do Game of the Year editions, though? Yeah. Yes. Legally and morally. <laughs> uh, six for Inscription. I'm a, That's higher than I expected, but I think that's pretty cool. Oh, didn't Inscription just pass a million sales? I think I saw that. Yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah, Great game. Good. Great game. Uh, anything else surprising on here? Two for Chicory. Three for Shimagami Tensei Five. Two for I'm, Kana. I'm surprised Forza did better than um, Deathloop, just considering like Arcane's prestige and. But do do we just love it way more? Do we just love Arcane more than? We, uh, we do. Forza is just so accessible. <laughs> yeah, Forza is great. Yeah, everybody loves cars and pressing the right trigger <laughs> to make them go fast. It's true. It's satisfying. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's the last time we're going to talk about Game of the Year 2021. It's over. It's a new <laughs> year. What is, it's in the rearview mirror. Just like we're done. Today. It's gone. <laughs> George, tell us about Kirby. Kirby! Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, so earlier today, out of nowhere, as Nintendo likes to do, they were just like, oh, you know, one of like our most anticipated games of the year. Here's a release date. Here's a trailer for it. It's out in two months. Go have fun. Um, and it looks... Fantastic. It's the first ever 3D Kirby. Uh, he now has a gun, like a bayonet sort of thing. Finally. Uh, that's co-op, but it's... <laughs> it Not to instantly go negative, but you can only be Bandana D, I think. So it's like, whoever's player two is just going to have a shit time. Because you don't get to do any of the powers, you just have a spear. Fantastic fun. Why? They, mean, do that, they do that every time. I have no idea. No. We, there's so many co-op Kirby games where you just play different color Kirbys, this right? Amazing Mirror was the last one I could think of, but I checked and Star Allies did the exact same thing. It's like, oh, you can play as... Only one Kirby, huh? King DDD if you want to. Like, no, I want to play as Kirby. Um, just different colored Kirbys, surely. Exactly. They've done it before, but it, uh, they keep doing it wrong. Um, anyway, I'm sure I'll complain about that <laughs> another time. 
Okay, so what's the release date? March 24th, I think. Oh, wow. 25th. 25th. And why does he have a gun? Is this a power? Yeah, new power. He's never had a gun before. How weird is that? There's there's so many memes. There's like Rifle D and you just gotta swallow him and then you get... Yeah. He's got got an AK. (laughs) (laughs) It's just... commentary on the modern day, you know. It just looks so wholesome. Um... I've I've wanted a 3D Kirby for like a really long time, uh, and this looks like it's well, it is 3D obviously, but it looks like it's going to be a good Kirby game as well. The, the graphics kind of creep me out a bit. They what? It, 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 the look kind of creeps me out. It looks like super realistic, and then there's just <laughs> a Kirby in it. <laughs> I think someone said it was the Odyssey engine. I don't know how they know that, and if that's just like really obvious, and I can't tell, but maybe. Uh, it's just like Nintendo's got like two engines. It's <laughs> like the one for Smash and then the one for everything else. That explains the frame rate dips. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. Kirby soon. Yeah. Kirby. We love Kirby. We love Robo Planet Robobot. Yeah. You guys play that one? No. Oh, Planet Robobot. Yeah, I did. That game's sick. Yeah. George, go play Robobot on the 3DS. Yeah, I never had the handheld ones. Besides Amazing oh, Mirror. Oh, George, that game is triple delight. I've heard it's, I've heard it's both yeah, great. I've heard they're both you'll, better you'll than Star them. Allies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Star Allies, not good. That's depressing. Not, not good. Uh, I have some tragic news. I uh, hope everybody's sitting down. E3 will not be held in person in 2022. Sure. Cancelled again, thwarted by the never-ending pandemic, uh, supposedly, because the rumors are that they were going to cancel it either way, and now it's just easy to say, yeah. oops, not <laughs> Omicron, not doing oops. it. COVID. Uh, the thing is, E3 is not happening in person, but but uh, they have also not confirmed whether it will be happening online either. Because it went so well last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I need to hear more about the Amiga. Oh, fuck, what was it? What was that weird console with the touchscreen controllers? Oh god, I can't even think. Uh, uh, fuck, in television, the com- yeah, the oh, Earthworm Jim thing, ColecoVision. Oh, the transphobic Earthworm. Yeah. No <laughs> Um. Yeah, and then there was like NFTs, and uh, it went on for like fourteen days or something. E three was not good last year. The no, it's the god no. Yeah, it was pretty shit, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh. So E three is done, Dunzo, Gonzo, and that sucks. I never got to go. I, I went to the last ever E three. Like to, at the moment, I was oh, there wow. in twenty nineteen. Like I saw it all go down. <laughs> <laughs> um. Am I missing out? I never got to go. The thing is, the show I went to was when it was changing. Like, when I went, a lot of people were going, like, oh, it's empty this year. There's not a lot on the show floor. And to be fair, there wasn't. And, like, the presence there was a bit muted because, like, Sony wasn't there. Microsoft was off-site, like, in the Nokia theater or the Microsoft theater now. So it was very much an unusual show. I mean, it was good. Like, it was fun. And it's, it's, it's something that you should go to. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's hard to remember like uh, history before pandemic. Yeah, yeah. but 
<laughs> if you go back to the last E3 and what happened right after that, like, a, as you said, Sony wasn't there. EA was doing their own separate thing. And there was all these rumors. And, and, and in fact, the ESA had put out this sort of, like, plan for the future of E3. That was not good. No. It was, like, a lot of... Uh, a lot of like tech buzzwords and shit that wouldn't appeal to anybody, but people that were trying to make money basically like <laughs> uh, it was not going to be like a player focused thing at all. It was going to be very much a biz dev thing that was like getting pretty gross. Um, and then the pandemic and that year got canceled. And then the following year was just digital. And now this year's canceled. And there's like, there's no way this show is coming back. It's just, that time has passed. Um, but the same day that we found out E3 was canceled, the Keeley Summer Game Fest got announced for for the start date, um, uh, which is kind of, that kind of took the place of E3, right? That started in 2020, and that's really still finding its footing. But my impression of Summer Games Fest is that it's not really an event at all. It's just... Trailers, <laughs> yeah, just trailers every other week, and it's also like four hours long. Ugh. Yeah, they like, do it's, it's cover. all all the different. There's like the Xbox and the PlayStation separate things. Those are part of Summer Games Fest, and I I don't know. I'm gonna miss having a consolidated week of just like just like Nintendo Trios live live stream for eight hours a day, and like mm -hmm. I really liked that that event you know i hope it does come back I, I i heard someone describe it as too big to fail like even if it has had a couple years off maybe maybe it can come back i don't know i i, I don't, don't see it happening but... interest like I, I as a as someone who's now in the industry i'd love to go oh yeah and i'm sure you know yeah just once everyone's able to go back to big venues and do stuff i'm sure fans would like clamor to go back and get their hands on stuff early and see previews and demos and all that i've had the opportunity to go to pax several times um which obviously hasn't been happening because of the pandemic there was one pax early last year uh they did pax west and it was just a ghost town like not, none of the studios showed up with games like um so yeah i don't know it's hard to imagine getting back to a place where we can have big conventions. Like it's hard. It's hard to believe that that's going to ever happen. Mm. Um, so sorry, E3. We're moving on without you. Uh, George, tell us about these Star Wars leagues. I Ooh. don't know what's happening. Uh, so I think it was last week or maybe the week before where I think it might have been Jeff Grubb. He said that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 2 is going to be announced in by May, and then it yeah. might be out by the end of the year. Um, and then Bespin Bulletin, who's like quite a reliable Star Wars leaker, who's done stuff like... I, I think they leaked quite a lot of stuff with the original Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, it's been a while, because obviously there's not been many Star Wars games like near release for a while. Um, they did like a blog post on it, and they said, I've heard like a lot of the same... Uh, it will be Star Wars Jedi. It won't be Fallen Order 2. It'll be like Jedi dot dot. Um, and that's planned 
to be revealed in the next couple of months and then they agreed that it's probably out this year like covid depending um and then they also said that the lego star wars the skywalker saga last they heard was planned for april or may um but again covid depending and then finally they said that the knights of the republic remake is set for 2023 so just just like a few little updates on them obviously none of it official but i kind of thought that respawn wasn't working on jedi fallen order 2 for a bit because they've what? had they've had job listings for like we're making a game set in a new world and i was like oh maybe star wars is like after that but no apparently it's <laughs> very soon oh yeah <laughs> uh i'm looking forward to fallen order i thought that the first one had a lot of problems and it was very much like a first attempt at that type of uh like single player action game mm. um but i'm i'm really hopeful that they'll be able to like sort of you know work out those kinks and i love do it. something pretty amazing because there's a lot of good stuff about fallen order but it's also kind of a mess yeah, yeah. it feels like one of those games where the second one will be spectacular yes yeah. that have yeah. they'll found their feet in a lot of ways Oh, I hope that like they. What Days Gone Two could have been what? <laughs> <laughs> it would have had swimming, Izzy. <laughs> I hope that they uh, that they go further into the like sort of Metroidvania direction that the first one yeah, started. Yeah, me too. Instead of you know, like Arkham Asylum is such an amazing 3D Metroidvania, and then they abandoned that once they got like a bigger budget and more time to do an open world thing i don't expect the next fallen order will be open world but i hope that it God, sticks with its metroidvania roots i um, just i wrote an article about i was i instead of saying metroidvania i was comparing it to from software games because of like the meditation spots are just bonfires and the uh, sure it's very secure oh very, yeah it's and, a and like, then the combat like, is easy. very very secure yeah um and I was saying, like, I, I just hope they add some just absolutely, like, twisted bosses. Like, they need, <laughs> I want to fight inside a Sarlacc or, like, that that huge yeah, organism in the, in the first plan. Like, I want boss fights like that, as well as more stuff like the second and ninth sister, which are, are just really good saber jewels. But, yeah, I really want them to polish up that combat because it just, whereas Sekiro's feels like the best kind of sword combat I've ever played in a game, Fallen mm. Orders, it's like, you can see they're emulating that, but they just haven't quite got it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, um, just thinking back to having read it, um, they said that a it's going to lean more into like known characters. They didn't say who because they didn't want to spoil it. So, again, vague, but it was like, uh, you could definitely expect to see some like known characters there. Um, and if you've played the first one, you know there's a few known characters, maybe more of that. I don't know, but more Star Wars is always a good thing. No more ponchos, though, okay? Ah, uh, ponchos suck. I, yeah. I like the ponchos. They no, suck. No ponchos, no lightsaber parts that you, can, you can't even see. True. I've been, like, I've, been, I've been having fun customizing all that. Whoa. I'm so jealous you're playing it. I love that game. Uh, Izzy, you were talking about a report about a sort of budding Arab game industry, right? Yeah. So um, market research analysts, Nico Partners, uh, released a report on the video game industry and what they call the MENA 3. So it's Middle East and North Africa. Um, and they, 
yeah, they conducted a report in Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates um, to kind of get like a, to try and get sort of like a wide demographic of the video game industry in that region. Um, Egypt is useful, has useful data because it's the most populous country, but it has on average like relatively low spending. Mm. Uh, then Saudi Arabia has the the highest revenue in like all the MENA region. And uh, the United Arab Emirates has a very small population, but it's got a very, very high spend like per player. So I've spoken to numerous Arab devs before about the the way the region is like treated and seen. And I, from what they've sort of said, the way the UAE is seen is how people think most of the, so that's like Dubai and places like that. That's how people mm. think most of the region will be where you've got those, those like, you know, the sons and the kids of shakes who are like spending loads on Fortnite skins and like the whales for mobile games. Um, but yeah, the report found that uh, revenue in those three countries at the moment, I think it's like $1.7 billion or something like that. And it's, uh, they reckon it will double, uh, or, or almost double to about three point something oh my God. Um, in 2025. Jesus. It's mostly mobile gaming at the moment, um, yeah. especially in Egypt where like consoles aren't quite as popular. And that's a big thing with sort of like the Middle East and Africa in general is like mobile gaming is, is like really, really booming there because smartphones are so much more accessible and like internet infrastructure is getting much better on the continent. Yeah. So, yeah I, I imagine that won't change either. I mean, we see the same thing in, in Asia as well, right? Like pretty much everywhere except Europe and America, mobile gaming is by far the most dominant. Yeah, I think in the industry as a whole, mobile gaming, like in terms of pure revenue, absolutely dwarfs like yeah. console and PC gaming. Like it's, yeah, people need to respect mobile gaming a lot it, more. It does it, generate it's unbelievable. tremendous revenue. Yeah. yeah, I was just like casually looking at, um, uh, what is it? T Timmy. Timmy does... Uh, oh, yeah. does PUBG Mobile, Call of Duty Mobile, Pokemon Unite, uh, Arena Valor, and then like all of those like MOBAs and stuff that we don't really like Free Fire. I don't think they do Free Fire, but those kinds of like uh, competitive mobile games that we don't like really cover or talk about. But they did like 10 billion in revenue last year. Yeah. Like yeah, just well. <laughs> outrageous. Um, yeah. So, so that's really cool. And then, and then obviously that's, uh, we can imagine, will lead to. A, a growing industry of developers in those places too right yeah so again the report showed that like I, I haven't been able to read the report because obviously this is the thing nico partners does and like you can read it if you want to pay them 10 grand but yeah the report again said that like uh local governments there were sort of passing laws and making things easier for um local game developers to start their own studios and uh, making it easier for international companies to set up offices there as well. I mean, most of like the major um, publishers do have divisions like somewhere within the Middle East or North mm -hmm. Africa um, because that region is getting recognized more as, you know, there's a very large, you know, player base here. Like there are people. Yeah. At, at the moment, the main kind of goal, at least from you know, the devs I've spoken to and me personally as an Arab 
is just for us to is for that region to not just be seen for what like Dubai and the and the UAE is to not just be seen as whale players, mm-hmm. but you know to actually have more consideration put into like Arab localized Arabic localization and like slightly you know better representation for Middle Eastern characters and that kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. Hopefully, with with more with more money being put in, sort of at an infrastructure level, you'd imagine that will lead to more more video game companies being set up by Arabs for Arabs to like make yeah. very Arab centric games, which would be cool to see. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's gonna do it. We're all caught up. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about some new releases. And we're back. Uh, okay, so we took a couple weeks off over the holidays. Uh, some of us took some vacation days too. And uh, I don't know about everybody else, but I was getting caught up on some 2021 games I had missed. So I wanted to ask you all about uh, what you were playing over the holidays. Maybe uh, we can cover some stuff that we haven't covered before. Uh, Jade, what what have you been playing? Uh. I finished Guardians of the Galaxy finally. That was oh nice. Yes. That, that, that was the one thing from my game of the year list that kind of eluded me. So yeah, like in the gap between Christmas and New Year, I thought I'm going to sit down and play through all of Guardians. And and you guys are so right. That game is fantastic. Like especially the second yes. half. Like it does so much inventive stuff with the story and those characters. Yeah, candle scene. Uh, what was your favorite part? The candle scene, I think. <laughs> this is yeah. spoilers, obviously, for Guardians, but there's a scene involving Star Lord and Nikki, with to do with the promise, where they're talking about like some stuff she needs to do from an emotion perspective, which is like so effective, especially in in regards to Star Lord's character, who in the MCU, like it's hard to have a sense of dramatic depth because they're always trying to make jokes or be silly all the time, but. This is just a scene where this character, who's normally like a goofy ass hat, like puts all that aside to to do the right thing, to be a good person, and to be a good dad or guardian, regardless of whether he is or not. And it's uh, it's just so well written and so well done in a game where you don't really see moments like that. Yeah, and then the entire like I suppose you call it final confrontation, I suppose, where you're fighting across the ship. And there's just a number of set pieces which are just fantastic. Like the combat is fine. Like I do think towards the end of that game, there's a lot of like gauntlets of combat where you're just fighting battle after battle after oh, battle, yeah. using the same abilities and whatever. And it's just kind of like, okay, I want to get through this so I can see the cutscenes. It wasn't like I was enjoying the totally, combat. totally, yeah. I there. I mean, some of the exploration is fun just because I think the rewards are pretty good. Yeah, like the costumes the, are great. The costumes are really good, so it was fun mm-hmm. to try to search those out. But yeah, you're totally right. I was playing that game to get to the cutscenes for Me sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of it's weird as we get a little more distance uh, from last year and from Guardians. That feels like the game that I'm going to be thinking about and talking about into the future, like probably more than anything else last year, besides uh, forgotten city, 
like i feel like i'm going to be comparing things to guardians comparing the stories of games and like the execution and i you know i thought guardians was going to be totally forgettable uh mm. but it definitely is one of the games that made the biggest impacts on me last year so cool i'm glad you finally finished it uh yeah what about you? i'm kind of sad that i finished it because i didn't want it to end yeah. yeah that's awesome and it's such a it's such a good length too it really like doesn't overstay its welcome it stays pretty hype the whole way like it kind of just narratively it just gets better and better as it goes yeah as it's all the pieces very well start paced. To come to get to, start to come together yeah um because i think those those sort of early hours you're wondering like what's the point of this like where are we going why should i care but then so, sort of everything really starts to fall in line halfway there's a few uh, character arcs in the final arc that don't quite land, like Gamora and Rocket, I suppose. But yeah, they're still they're still effective in a way. Be like, okay, this is a cohesive team, and they've been through a lot of shit, and they've come together despite their differences. And I think that's what the game was trying to accomplish. And it can I, go places now. I remember when we talked about it originally, Eric. I I remember saying that I hated Rocket for like a good four or five hours and not even to the point of he's an annoying character sometimes i get it but like he was being even more antagonistic than sort of usual and i hated that and then i think they really redeemed him by the end with um the water stuff uh and i thought gamora's i i'm trying i'm trying not to spoil it i guess it doesn't matter too much but when she talks about nebula that scene that was incredible again there were just like so many really really well done scenes god i need to play that game again what a game <laughs> yeah i when you mentioned the water i remember that sequence where you have to turn off the those like waterfalls so that rocket will just walk across the bridge like yeah. there's no danger there's no threat oh, yeah. you just can't progress yeah. until you figure out how to stop the water from falling and there's yeah. like a really important need to get across the bridge too. Like you're going to do something important and he just refuses to do it. And there's a lot of stuff like that in the <laughs> game. Like there's stuff where you'll be like, Rocky, can you hack this door? And he'll just be like, no. <laughs> and then <laughs> you stand around looking for another thing to do, but you just have to tell him again. Like you just have to have an argument with him to get him to do it. It's such a cool, such a cool like confluence of design and narrative. Uh, it can be fun when game characters aren't just there for you. Like, they are actually their own yeah. person. Even if they're yeah. a dick, like, that's what <laughs> they are. <laughs> Deal with it. Uh, anything else, Jade? Uh, I've been replaying Red Dead Redemption 2. I think some discussions on the website made me go like, oh, yeah, that game is really good. And really? I kind of feel like replaying it, both for, like, to see the performances again to see the story again because i feel like mm. there's a lot of like earlier moments in that game and earlier quests that are almost recontextualized once you know how that game ends mm. for sure i agree and it's just from an open world design perspective it is very much unparalleled in terms of like the way it immerses you yeah i never got too far it is really? a, it is well, a long game like it requires to it be is. played slow and boring. it requires a big time investment. Boring. boring. <laughs> I, I get, I get you. I think I'm just like an artsy fartsy bitch. And I'm like, <laughs> I love the process of like getting the gun from my horse, picking up this wolf, throwing it on my horse, riding back to camp, 
it starts raining and I eat shit down a hill and die and lose all of my stuff. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. There's beauty Sounds in the great. mundane in that game. And yeah, oh my for God. sure. That's, that's sort of yeah. the whole thesis, right? Yeah. I think for me, when... Um, are we allowed to give big spoilers for Red Dead 2? I feel like it's been out a while. Depends I think so. if you're talking about... Yeah. about the main spoiler. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. With the end, with when... Um, Spoilers ahead for Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, um, after playing it the first time, and you obviously know it's not going to be a happy ending because you, you know yeah, Red cool. Dead Redemption Arthur Morgan is not in the first one. Exactly. So, yeah, playing through the first game, I didn't appreciate the time I spent with Arthur in the same way that I did on my second playthrough where I thought, okay, do you know what? Now I'm really gonna like I am gonna enjoy that mundane stuff, especially that's in what the I'm first doing. Chapter, yeah, yeah. Especially I'm in the first few doing. chapters, um, before the gang starts to kind of deteriorate more. One of game's best characters, I'd say. Yeah, oh, oh, for in, sure. In terms of character arc, it's easily probably the best we've ever seen in the AAA game. Just to I'm clarify here, George thinks that. Rayman is one of gaming's best characters. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like I'm talking to everyone in camp now. I'm just walking yeah. around like a slow cowboy, like, how you doing, Mary Beth? And shit like that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking to everyone. And it's great. Like, just having a really... rootin' time. Howdy! It has really, really made me like role play the game because I think it made, and it's so annoying, like, because it's just pixels, like, it's just code and pixels. But it made me really want to make sure Arthur's last kind of year was a good one. Yeah, I get you. There, there's just mm. and <laughs> I do love that game is like almost like art house western like homages all over, but yeah. it's also just complete nonsense and bullshit. Like <laughs> I kicked a turtle to death. Like, <laughs> I was just walking down, saw a turtle. I didn't get a gun out or kill it humanely. I just went up to that thing and just stabbed the fuck out of it. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, gonna, take this, you? I'm gonna take this back to camp, or <laughs> you, you just get into a scrap. Because I always try and play Arthur as a good person, but there are there are just moments where you're like, "Oh, it'd be fun to kill this guy, like <laughs> just for a laugh." <laughs> and then, <laughs> that game is just. Or I always, I always ride my horse by trains, and I always forget there's metal bits that stick out of them. <laughs> so there's been multiple moments where I've just had my horse clipped by a train, and I'm like, "Oh, no, that horse is just dead. Like nothing I can do about that." <laughs> I'm a sadistic person, but also I love the slow moments in that game. Like, oh yeah, Red Dead's very good. That's been my big Christmas game alongside Guardians and I suppose dipping into Hades and Halo. Mm-hmm. Hades is great. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna be rebuying Hades on PS5. Hades uh, what have you? What have you been catching up on, Izzy? So, uh, uh, most. So this is the. Normally, I'm not. This is the first year I've had an Xbox console. Um, okay. So I've been very excited playing Forza uh, because of Game Pass. And my housemate informed me that I was playing it like it was my job. Um, <laughs> which isn't to say that I was playing it during work hours, boss, if you're listening to the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the like loads of um, live service games that encourage you to play regularly and log on every day. Yeah. Forza had weekly challenges. Um, and in Forza, it, that was you had a series which was a month long, and that was set that was split into four 
weekly seasons and they do they make a they do a good job of like implementing that in game with the season is actually like spring summer autumn winter yeah and that gives you different weather effects and different kinds of races and stuff so that's cool but there's a lot to do especially if you're trying to get like the exclusive rewards like the the cool car or like the cool um i don't really care so much about like the player costumes but like there were some cars that you could only get that car if you got like 45 points in a week and it was just tough like i spent a lot of time just 500 hours two or three hours (laughs) no i've definitely put a lot of hours into forza though and i was enjoying it but then i finished the season uh look i finished series two got all the major awards got all the exclusive things and at the end of it you know when you do something in a video game and you're just like i don't think i actually care that i did that yeah (laughs) like i I didn't feel that big sense of accomplishment of like oh yeah sick i got that thing or like i did that i was just like you know i i let a lot like there were a lot of games i could have played and don't get me wrong i have really enjoyed my time playing forza and i think the the challenges do add a sense of direction that's very Mm. much needed for me to stay motivated in a game like that but i mean i wrote this in an article when forza first came out i think i think each season should be two weeks i think one week makes it a job whereas two weeks mm-hmm. would be you know you could spend like a couple of nights a week playing and yeah you'd get through it whereas it currently the game demands all your time if you want to get all the rewards and i just don't really think that's fair when there's mm. so many games i haven't played especially since i got um i managed to get myself a ps5 oh, that yes. arrived a few days before christmas so i bought like six games that were on sale uh for that and so that's what i've been playing uh, fallen order on i didn't realize that it was part of game pass ultimate <laughs> like, oh yeah so, it is Uh-oh. yeah so, so I, <laughs> I bought it on my ps5 but i'm glad i bought it on the ps5 because i put it into performance mode and it just runs like buttery smooth it's so good. oh you so make me fun. want to play that game again Ew. i've been i've been really spending a lot of time in the photo mode um mm. i've uploaded a few sets of pictures to twitter because one of our other news editors justin reeve he he does um virtual photography and video games they kind of inspired me to get on it a bit as well. But yeah, more more photos to come because I've been loving it. I think all of us have bought games that are also on Game Pass and just not realize it. <laughs> Forgotten City. Yeah. I bought it the day before it came to Game Pass. Oh, I still haven't played it because I feel like I have like an obligation of pettiness. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're almost at that point where like, like when I want to watch something, it is such a pain in the ass to figure out is it streaming on Netflix or Hulu or HBO or like, I don't know. I usually just like have to Google, like, where is it streaming now? Yeah. Me too. I feel like, I feel like those, where is it streaming websites are probably like doing gangbusters these days, <laughs> but we're going to need that for games pretty soon. Like, where is it gaming? Out, you know? Yeah. Where's it gaming? <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'm like, and between like, uh, like, stadia and luna and game pass like i have overlap too like i have the same i just got tomb the tomb raider trilogy was free on epic but i also got it as a stadia pro and like my saves are not going to transfer between epic and stadia so it's (laughs) such a pain in the ass man that's a bit that's a tangent but it's getting really annoying to figure out where i can play my games these days I agree. Uh, 
Yeah, but yeah, Forza good. Did anybody ever play mm-hmm. the Lego expansion for Forza 4? No, I always thought it looked no. sick as hell, but yeah. it was always a bit too it's expensive. too expensive, yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, existed. I'd love to race around Lego, but I don't want to spend 20 quid on it. Yeah, uh, Forza, when Forza 4 came to Game Pass, or I guess when I first got Game Pass, I spent a lot of time with Forza 4, and I never mm. wanted to pay for uh the lego one but hopefully they do some cool stuff like that for five uh okay george what are, what games have you been playing hello uh so to start off really boring uh, i just kept playing more halo infinite i couldn't put it down like all of christmas <laughs> really? um i'm have still only like all your level weeklies? 19 no I, I just hop on now they've ha- they've got um tactical slayer that's literally all I play. Yeah. I just jump on that. Yeah. Headshot people for days or sick. get killed straight away. Um, Gamer. And it's just amazing. Like, I've said it a billion times before, but if they can just work out all the progression stuff, put some rewarding customization in, add some new bloody maps, please. Um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I would say it's one of the best Halos ever. Uh, and I did play more of the campaign as well. I still haven't finished it because I keep doing it in like two hour intervals and then kind of getting a little bit bored from the repetition. Um, It's still really good, but it's like when it's concentrated single player action, it just kind of feels a little bit samey, especially when you play like me, which is grapple hook, those fusion coils, chuck them as far as you can, jump around, get another one, chuck one of them. Um, So yeah, Halo, Halo Infinite's great. (laughs) That's not news, I guess. Uh, but what is news, and I'm going to have to be a little bit careful about this because Jade hasn't played it, but I did finally play The Forgotten City, and god damn it, Eric was right, it's so bloody good! <laughs> what a game, yeah. I came away from it like, whew. Yeah, on, game game of the year, game of my life. I, uh, I love that so much. I watched a friend play it from beginning to end over the holidays, and uh, I tried really hard to just keep my mouth shut. And let him go, but I swear I appreciated it more watching somebody play it the second time. That's cool. Yeah, than the first time I had um, I had a similar experience making my brother play it. As soon as I got to a certain point, I I texted him. I was like, "You need to play this game now. Like, you don't take my recommendations much, but you will love this." And when he hit the same point, he was texting me. It was I remember it was four a.m. and he just put what <laughs> happened. He was like, "Holy shit!" And I was like, "Yeah, it's exactly that." Um, and it's yeah. not even just good because of the twists and turns. It's good for so many more reasons. Uh, I wouldn't call it my game of the year because Psychonauts 2 has my heart and balls, but it would definitely be in my top 10 now. Okay. Man, what a way <laughs> to say that. <laughs> Is it long? That's me. Like for the Forgotten Sea? No, no. How long do I need to? So there are four endings, and it's the kind of thing where you must do all four. It's not like mm. four optional endings. It's like you kind of progress through these different endings and in order to get through all four i think it's about eight hours i thought it was eight hours to get one ending no eight hours to like fully complete it yeah oh the thing Uh, that's really in between star wars oh so it's like worth every single second but what really impressed me i started doing guides for it is that it has sort of like it's really good at creating the illusion that it's this much bigger thing, but a lot of the quests tie into each other in really, really clever ways um, mm. that kind of like cut them off when you've done one. So you do, you basically do like three and one, and then 
you can I'm trying not to say anything about it because it's it's just better just go in with completely no knowledge except for the fact that I've said it's really good and I guess Eric too. It was thing. really fun watching somebody play it too because um like there there's a pretty detailed quest log if you want to use it. Uh, but even then, you pretty immediately get a lot of leads. Like you, you start off with like five or six directions you can go, and that eventually grows to like ten direct ten things you can sort of pursue and uh, and angles to take. Um, mm. And it and it was really interesting to watch somebody like sort of pick and choose which things to focus on, mm. and and how they. Um, how you can progress through the game in so many different ways, or you can just close that book and use your intuition and just like talk to somebody and listen. And they mention something and, and just sort of like follow that lead. There's really no use for like quest markers. It's not, it's not a game where you like start a quest line and then follow it from person to person. You just like have a conversation, learn some information, and then follow that lead. Like it's mm. just, it has such a natural, uh, it just unfolds in such a natural way. Second uh, best detective game besides Disco Elysium. <laughs> That's what I'd label it. God, I need to play that as well. Oh. But the way, um, Eric, the way you talk about enjoying someone watch, uh, enjoy watching someone play it and how, how they tackle it reminds me of, um, when the Outer Wilds, or just Outer Wilds, uh, swept yeah. from my house recently. Yes. I think in sort of, yeah, October and November, um, all, me and my two housemates, we all played the game, but independently of each other. And one housemate started it first and was like, guys, this is the best game I've ever played. You've got to play it. Then the second housemate played it. And then I played it. And each one of us was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And they both loved watching me trying to like unravel the mystery and we had a we had a rule where we couldn't look anything up and no one could give anyone any hints um because obviously there was there were bits that got everyone really really stuck so we wanted to see like oh will that bit confuse you the same way it confused me and, right yeah i do love that that feeling of like uncovering something and feeling like yeah you you've done it yourself and it's so great watching other people do it as well yeah very similar very similar experience uh, I think I would say that that Forgotten City ha is a lot more spider webbed than uh, mm. than Outer Wilds. There's a lot more overlap in all the the like leads and, and quest lines and stuff. They all sort of lead into each other to tell like I don't know, like all all the characters have their own stories, but it's all one story. I think. Cool. Yeah. What a game. Good job, George. Hey, how long did it take <laughs> you to get how long did it take you to get ending number one? Uh I think that happened within three or four hours. And then okay. I jumped to ending four because I figured that ending two was like, I could do this, but I don't think this is the way I want to do it. And then from four I did two, then three, and then four again, because I did four in a kind of weird way. Would you believe me if I told you that I got the first ending in about five minutes? Really? Do you have to kill how? yourself? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if if you follow a, a dialogue tree, they will just tell you. the Like, a person will literally just tell you, if you do Shit. this, this will happen. 
And then I was just like, well, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and, and I got ending number one in about, I don't know, ten, the first 10 minutes of playing. Were you soldier that time or? Yeah. Ah, okay. So yeah. Now I can, now I can kind of see how you got that. Cause I went, yeah, that's the other thing. The first time. It is kind of weird. There are like starting classes, which kind of don't matter. They're like, I don't know. That, that part is weird, but yes. Yeah. If you, uh, if you pick soldier, you start with a gun. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody else starts the game with a gun. Bustle these Romans. <laughs> you get it done. Yeah. So Carby, Carby's been playing Forgotten City. <laughs> Finally. Uh, okay. I played two things over the holidays. Uh, one was Monster Hunter Rise on PC, uh, which came out this week. If you're listening to this, it came out on Wednesday. Um, I never played on Switch. Oh, really? Uh, it's your first time. I played like the demo. Mm. Uh, I didn't. I don't own it on Switch, so I never played it. Um, because uh, a couple of reasons. One, I knew it was coming to PC, and two, uh, I just can't get my friends to play multiplayer on Switch. Like Fair. it's Fair. it's just one of those things. We all have Switches, but we never play. Uh, on rare occasion, we'll all get in a Smash lobby, but. Um, you know, when, whenever I'm playing games, I'm playing with my friends and we're on PC. Like I just can't get everybody to pick up their switches together. It's just like, I don't know, not our preferred way to play. So, uh, so yeah, so I never played on switch. So I've been playing it on PC now and it's a great port. It's actually a pretty phenomenal port. Um, the, it has practically everything you could want with the exception of like, it doesn't have DLSS. It doesn't have super ultra wide 32.9, but it does have uh, 21 by 9, which looks great uh, in ultra wide. Um, it's really easy to tweak the settings. It shows you your like uh, your VRAM load, and every setting has like a CPU load value. So you can turn things on and off and see how it's affecting your system in real time. And it has like previews for all, like if you turn this on, this is what it's going to look like. Like it's, it's so easy. It's got, uh, uh, it's got HDR, which I wasn't super impressed by, but like it's there. Like it, it, as far as taking a game that's on a switch and putting it on a PC, I was super impressed mm. by everything it was everything it offers at the same time it is a switch game <laughs> and it was it was designed to run at 30 frames on a system that doesn't do that can't do very much right <laughs> so even though you can play it on like frames like i had like a pretty stable 120 frames the whole time I was playing it has new 4k assets which look amazing you can't sort of escape the fact that it's a switch game Mm. And especially because Monster Hunter World is on PC, which is, you know, three years older than Rise, but looks like way, way better. Because <laughs> that was a count, that was a PS4, Xbox, PC game. Rise is totally a Switch game. Like the world is just so much flatter with like less detail, even just like less foliage, you know? Like mm. everything about it is just like a little bit simpler, a little bit flatter. And when you put Rise and World side by side, it's really obvious um, that uh, Rise was a little bit held back by the Switch. What um, do you think about the game itself? 
I think there are as many improvements over world as there are things that I don't like. Um, <laughs> what do you think of the wire bug? I love that thing. The wire bug is super fun, though I will say that as a Kinsect Glaive player, like it doesn't matter as nearly as much to me as it does to like a hammer player or like like somebody that would really benefit from aerial combat um and being able to like target that head like i can already do that with the glaive so like the wire bug isn't as much of an advantage to me because i can just jump into the air whenever i want like yeah so yeah so it's not like as much of an upgrade uh for every class um but it is a cool mechanic uh i like how much smaller the town is and how much easier it is to like navigate and i feel like i'm not wasting this much time between missions just like because in world you just spend so much time walking around everywhere like um so and and i think i think like the monster behavior the like sort of like character of the monsters is a lot stronger now if i can feel like personality through the animations in a way that i that is definitely like more pronounced than it was in world and the fights are better you know like world had uh, amazing monster fights but i think this one just has like more and more better ones um but at the same time there's a lot of stuff i don't like i think like the new um the new cooking system is pretty bland and overly simple i don't know if like like late late game if it gets a lot better but it's just a mochi stuff yeah yeah it's a little too simple simplified um i also don't like hiring the the buddies and like managing an inventory of cats and dogs it's a lot of yeah, micromanagement when you just want to get out there and hunt monsters. Yeah, that's monster that though, isn't pain it? Pain in the ass. I I miss the farming from world, like and the ability to like make your own resources and control, um, like the parts you need. There's not really a good way to do that now. Like I think the Argosy has been like stripped down in a way that's kind of annoying. There's like a lot of stuff that I liked better in world. And I think that's sort of also a staple of the Monster Hunter series. Like, they the games don't just get better. They like, they have they always have ups and downs. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like it's Monster Hunter. I love it. To- Toby Kadachi's in it, and that's my favorite monster of all time. So that's pretty oh, yes. cool. Um, and a lot of the new ones are really cool. I like the I like that giant bear, like with the antler. I, I don't know their names as well yet. I haven't played B- them. <laughs> yeah. Bishoten's yeah. the best one that chucks through. I, I adore that weird thing. Oh, so cool. oh, the one with the the ta- the monkey bat. Yeah, like yeah. I love it. On its tail that throws fruit. That's an amazing yeah, that's the coolest monster. Best one. By far. Yeah. Um so yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I finished low rank in about ten hours. Uh and I've been dabbling in high rank, but I've been waiting because I want to play with my friends i couldn't mm. when i was before it came out i was reviewing it so i only went through low rank um but george does it in high rank does it change dramatically uh so i when it first came out i played about 
25 to 30 hours with some friends and I don't remember where I stopped. I think I stopped just at like the point of, okay, things are getting really hard now. But from what I remember, mm. I'm not very good at Monster Hunter. Like I usually just let other people carry me and run around and just whack the monster occasionally. Same. But it got really hard. <laughs> like it got to the point of, yeah, I this isn't my life now. I, I saw Bishoten. I'm happy. It threw some fruit at me. I'm good. Yeah. Stingy. I will I will certainly see all the monsters. I will get to Elder Dragons. Like I know that I'm gonna put a significant amount of time into Rise. But what I really mm. want is Monster Hunter World 2. And from the sounds of it, like there's a big anniversary in two years. And they and Capcom is talking about what they have planned for 2024. So I have kind of a sense that we're not going to like, like we have the Sunbreak expansion for Rise this year. And then they might just sort of ride Rise out through 2023 and then release World 2 mm. or whatever it's going to be called in 2024. So unfortunately, I think there's going to be kind of a long wait for the game I really want to play. Monster Hunter Galaxy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <Monster Hunter laughs> Unlimited. Um, but this is good, and if you've been waiting for the PC version, you're going to be pretty happy. It, it's a it's a great port. Um, the other thing I played all holiday was Destiny, which is pretty normal for me. <laughs> I don't know how deep I need to get into that right now, but I will say that um, you know the destiny has expansions every fall that's how they do it once a year you have a big expansion and then you have seasons three month seasons however because of the pandemic uh last year's expansion didn't happen it's coming out in february which means that the current season which started in i a july i think wow that was supposed to end in september just kept going yeah so they added uh an event bungie's 30th anniversary was in december so they added like a micro season which had new activities new gear to earn it wasn't a season but it had a lot of what you would get from a new season um that helped but i have to say that even though it's been this like extremely long six month season at this point um it is so great to be able to end the year with this extra long time to play because when witch queen comes out all of this year's content will vanish so every all of the triumphs to earn all of the titles everything that you want to complete all the guns you want to collect like all of that stuff goes away so it's really cool to have this like extra long time at the end of the year to be able to like really finish like i feel like this is the first year where i'm able to like complete destiny and uh, I'll, I'll never do everything i'll never get every triumph like i'm not there are people that play this game literally 12 hours a day those are the only <laughs> people that get to actually finish destiny um but yes this season season of the lost is the first time that i've like i'm for sure getting the title i'm getting like the most there's like three titles you can get right now. I'm going to get all of them. Like I'm going to get the best rolls on all the guns I want. Like I really have time to like dive into the game uh, over the holidays. And normally I would be, the holidays would be spent, you know, it would probably be like the very end of the first season of the expansion or the start of the next one. And I would just be like in the grind. Um, But I feel like right now is like a really cool time to appreciate 
Destiny while we uh, gear up for Witch Queen. And it's making me like so much more excited for Witch Queen. I usually don't spend a ton of time at the end of an expansion. I'm like usually taking a break waiting for the next one. But I'm like really deep in Destiny right now, and I'm gonna play up until Witch Queen comes out, and then I'm gonna be really deep in Destiny. Yeah, (laughs) then too. So, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Fun time for Destiny. Uh, Okay, is that it? Anything else? Oh, one thing because it's kind of backlog related. Uh, I don't know when this happened, but I saw Bastion was on the PlayStation Store because I remember Uh the the super giant games game like the first one and i remember a few years ago my housemate was like oh if you love transistor you have to play bastion um but it wasn't on playstation at the time it was only on pc so we played it via a steam link and it was kind of weird but like like as in playing it via steam link was kind of weird but i really loved it um so my plan now because i'm an absolute slut for super giant games wait so massive <laughs> how do i not know the developer's name oh my god <laughs> Supermassive. Super <laughs> is it super massive? Yeah, super, super giant games. Super no, massive. super massive. Super massive is until dawn. Super giant is Hades. And oh, super giant. <sighs> okay, so there are two, right? That's that's my bad. Yeah, you're okay. You're off the. <laughs> I really, really do love super giant games, though. Um, like Transistor's possibly my favorite game of all time. So my plan now is to do like Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and then Hades all on PS5. Yeah, and, like kind of Oof. look and see how their games have like kind of evolved but kind of stayed the same because they all have that same kind of like isometric look and feel but yeah i'm excited to i'm very excited to do that pyre is very games. different from those other yeah games. Pyre, <laughs> pyre is very different yeah, yeah. So that's that's the only one i haven't played at all yet um okay but yeah now i'm like i, I still want to do it in the order that that's a buck wild so. game mm. yeah i'm excited for it cool. yeah hades i got i've done a lot of that on switch but you know i'm I like it, it's, 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 it's a lot nicer on yeah. PS5. Is it? Okay. It I'll, is. Yeah, I'll definitely get it. Okay, looks fit. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Gamer Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we are very excited to be back in 2022, and we have a lot of cool things planned for this year. Next week, for our listener question, we are interested in knowing your favorite PlayStation game of all time in honor of the re release of God of War and the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection. We're talking about all things PlayStation, so use the hashtag AskTheGamer and tell us on Twitter what your favorite PlayStation games are. We'll see you next week. 